Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I think much of the political violence that's taking place in this country can be laid at the feet of Barack Obama and then subsequently at Joe Biden. The media, the Democrats, they want you to believe that Republicans are violent. That's pretty funny in a sick kind of way. They point the January 6th over and over and over and over and over again. But they blow off Antifa as an idea, which is violent, criminal enterprise. As they blow up Black Lives Matter, a violent, criminal Marxist enterprise. As they blow off crime in the streets and on and on. But it's time to be very, very clear. The Democrat Party is a party of violence. That's why they undermine cops. That's why they won't secure the border. That's why they let criminals out the back door after they come through the front door. And I'm talking about violent criminals. That's why gun control is aimed at law-abiding citizens. And they do next to nothing when it comes to MS-13 and homegrown gangs. And Joe Biden knows this. Because in many ways, Joe Biden is a mobster. You heard that correctly. The President of the United States can do a lot to secure the border. The power drops to him. The President can do a lot, of, a lot of things to protect our cities and our neighborhoods, but he won't. He talks tough. He does nothing. But one of the things a president shouldn't do is, is pour fuel on the fire the fire that he already started and his former boss Obama started. This constant talk about how voting rights are being taken away from people, that half the country, that half the country doesn't believe in democracy, that the white population is a privileged, dominant population filled with MAGA types who are, of course, right-wingers like neo-Nazis and Klansmen, his rhetoric, his propaganda, his hate speech, if you will, is a, is a vile attack on this society. And he does it because he is a fool. He's always been a dumb guy. He's always been a street thug. He's always lied repeatedly, as he did yesterday in some Alabama. And nobody plays the race card and gets away with it as easily and as repeatedly as Joe Biden. Whether he was using it as a backbencher senator to get reelected in Delaware or now. He's moved from an anti-black racist to an anti-white racist, as has most of the Democrat Party. 
rather than promoting Americanism, a civil society, rather than promoting law and order, equal justice rather than equity, and we'll get to that later. Joe Biden is a font for all that's wrong with this country and the radicalism that's taken hold in this country. He's no moderate. He's no centrist. He's a smirking, stupid, political hack. That's what he is. And there he is in Summer, Alabama, saying things yet again that are inflammatory and provocative, for which he takes no heat from the corrupt, radical left, dishonest media in this country. Here's what he said yesterday on the anniversary of the events that took place in Selma. Cut one, go. The right to vote, to have your vote counted, is the threshold of democracy and liberty. With it, anything's possible. Without it, without that right, nothing is possible. And this fundamental right remains under assault. Conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. All right, let's stop this for a second. It has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. The Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965. over half a century ago. There are different elements to the Voting Rights Act. If you are an individual who's been intimidated, threatened, otherwise prevented from voting based on your race, ethnicity, or nationality, you have a federal cause of action under the 1965 voting rights, which the Democrats filibustered. You still have an individual right. The Supreme Court didn't touch it. A few years back, what the Supreme Court did was they said, as to another aspect of the Voting Rights Act, you have all these states and counties, including counties in Pennsylvania and New York and other counties, which you've pulled under and are under the Voting Rights Act of 1965, where the federal government has authority over these states and over these counties. Anytime these states or counties want to adjust their voting systems or go through their voting rolls, they need to get federal approval. Federal approval. And that was due to the fact that you had Jim Crow, that is, Literacy tests, poll taxes, all kinds of stuff going on to actually prevent people from voting, black people mostly. So a few years back, the Supreme Court looked at this and said, well, what exactly are these states that are under the thumb of the federal government and have been for half a century? What are they doing that violates the Voting Rights Act? I mean, the Department of Justice, as well as people filing amicus or friend of the court briefs, had every opportunity to say what they saw and to provide evidence and so forth, but the federal government had no evidence. It had no evidence of racial, ethnic, or national discrimination. 
And so the court said, this part of the 1965 Civil Rights Act doesn't apply anymore. That the federal government can't just wave it around. The federal government has to provide substantive evidence to a court to demonstrate that this is the case, and you have failed to do that. So if it's ubiquitous, if it's a real problem, where's your evidence? They didn't have any. And so the court said, well, until you have evidence, you can come back. But these states are no longer under the thumb of the federal government. When Joe Biden's out there screaming at the top of his lungs that the Supreme Court has, quote-unquote, gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years, they haven't gutted anything. Where are all the individuals that have individual federal civil rights claims under the 1965 Voting Rights Act? How come the Department of Justice isn't bringing all those cases? Because all those cases, quote-unquote, don't exist. Maybe here and there. But they're the exception to the rule. In other words, we've come a long way as a country. And rather than celebrate that, Joe Biden takes a knife to the back of this society. The conservative Supreme Court has gutted the Voting Rights Act over the years. This is several years ago, before this court even existed. That's why he throws in the line over the years. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. Since the 2020 election, a wave of states and dozens, dozens of anti-voting laws fueled by the big lie and the election deniers now elected to office. Now, you see, ladies and gentlemen, he can't point to a single state a single state that has denied the vote to its citizens. He says dozens of anti-voting laws. What he means is they have passed laws to tighten up their roles. But when you look at Georgia, which is what they targeted, and he doesn't mention Georgia by name, does he? There are more minorities, including black people, who voted in the last election than before Georgia changed its election laws. These election laws aren't aimed at preventing black people or minorities from voting. They're aimed at preventing people who are not allowed to vote from voting, or voting more often than once. Really, these election laws are aimed at Joe Biden and the Democrat Party that keeps trying to change the election system to, to eliminate proper procedures, oversight, challenges and so what Joe Biden is really saying is you have state legislatures and the Supreme Court pushing back against me and the Democrat Party that you don't have you don't have vigorous voting unless we win go ahead the new law here in Alabama among other things, enacted a new congressional map that discriminated against black voters by failing to include what should have been a new predominantly black district. Now, you know what's interesting about this, America? Republicans 
don't really mine predominantly black districts. Do you know why? Anybody know why? Because it concentrates black voters in a district or two districts or three districts rather than black voters being placed in districts that turn a Republican district into a marginal Republican or purple district. And so when most of these challenges are made to redistricting, not all, but most, when most of them are made, it's the Democrat Party that's sued. Because the Democrat Party wants to weaken Republican districts by having more black or Hispanic or Asian, whatever they think, voters in Republican districts, pushing them further and further out to the suburbs in terms of the districts. So it's the Democrat Party that largely fights against uh, having blacks voters clustered into these districts. And it's the Republican Party and you'll have like the NAACP Legal Defense Fund and others that are fighting, oddly enough, on the same side against the Democrat Party. So there he is, yelling at the top of his lungs another second huge lie about who motivates what and who's behind what. Joe Biden is a thug. He's always been a thug. And he always will be a thug. So he lies about the Voting Rights Act. He lies about these these largely black congressional districts and who doesn't want to see them. He projects the bigotry of the Democrat Party, whether it's 40 years ago or today, onto society. And he's down there screaming at the top of his lungs, and there's not a single news organization that challenges them on substance, not one. They don't bring in their phony legal analysts or phony constitutional experts, not one. Chuck Todd, why didn't you address this? I wasn't on then. Well, address it today. I did. More broadly, NBC and ABC and CBS, New York Times, Maggot Haberman, why didn't you address this? And all the others. Jeremy and his Peters. Phil Bump. None of them address this. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? 
Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. This will make sense in a few minutes. Ken Burns, you know, he's a filmmaker, typically on PBS, but other places too. And he creates a an aura around himself the way Michael Beschloss used to. As some kind of historian uh, documentary type producer. But Ken Burns is a leftist. And this last documentary he did on basically FDR and the Jews was disgusting. And he left out either wittingly or unwittingly, either way it's the same thing, significant evidence that the Democrat Party's great FDR, that Academia's great FDR, and they really loved him because he was really the earliest Marxist. That he, that he did so much to confront the Holocaust, did what he could, in some cases his hands were tied and so forth and so on. He did little and next to nothing. He did little and next to nothing. And I will prove it to you in a few months. But he did little and next to nothing for blacks too. And I will prove that to you in a few months. And he helped perpetuate racism. And I will prove that to you in a few months. The great FDR wasn't so great regardless of the best efforts of the left, the media, phony academia, and phony producers to demonstrate otherwise. And what is going on now is with this Marxist ideology, and that's what it is. That's what it is, whether you like to hear the word or not. Everything now is considered through, addressed through, processed through, a soft Marxist ideology that can lead us into horrific places. Whether it's tax the rich, redistribute the wealth, and on and on and on. So there's a reason why Ken Burns censors relevant material information related to FDR and why he takes information and twists it and uses it as propaganda against Governor DeSantis and Tucker Carlson. Look, I, for one, don't always agree with Tucker Carlson. But so what? He doesn't always agree with me. But that's irrelevant. What he's doing here is very important. And a lot of what he does is very important. Whether I always agree with him or not. So here's Ken Burns. They bring him onto CNN, which is hilarious. 
Cut 15, go. You were moved enough to write about this bill and what's going on with the whole idea of critical race theory and not teaching the full history of this country. Why? Stop. This has nothing to do with the full history of this country. Don Lemon has always been a moron. Critical race theory has nothing to do with the history of this country. Ten years ago, it was considered the, the ideology of the nitwits, of the national black movement. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. But it has nothing to do with American history. In a few months, I will further demonstrate that, as I have already have in American Marxism. Go ahead. What makes America great is not the suppression of ideas or the pursuit of every corner of those ideas may lead us or the facts. So I guess you spoke out, didn't you? When Elon Musk and his team exposed the suppression of information on Twitter, I guess you spoke out when the media censored the Hunter laptop. I guess you speak out now when the media all but ignore the the Biden crime family and its ties to the communist military regime in China and the millions and millions that they made. I guess you spoke out when Fauci was lying repeatedly and almost religiously to the American people. I guess you spoke out over the lie that was and is Russia collusion. And yet I don't remember you speaking out, Ken Burns, because you didn't. You're a fraud and a phony. That's right. Go ahead. About who we are and how we investigate who we are and celebrate. We're not. We're not. All white people are not oppressors and racists, Ken. Maybe you are. And all minorities, especially black people, are not oppressed and victims, Ken. Don Lemon isn't. And so why don't you first explain your thorough knowledge of what CRT is. So at least we can make sure we're having a conversation about the same thing. You moron. Go ahead. We are all of these bills that DeSantis and others are doing limit our ability to understand who we are and are not inclusive. They're exclusive. Excuse excuse me, dimwit. The lack of academic freedom in our colleges and universities is coming from the Marxist left, your people. The lack of free speech. Free speech in the culture is coming from you and your people on the radical left. The changing of words. The twisting of words. Inclusive when they want conformity. Inclusive when they demand you use certain words that don't even make sense in certain contexts. Wokeism. That's them. That's not us. We're more than happy to compete on ideas and have debates and use free speech. They're not. And we demonstrated it, as I said. Elon Musk is a hero. And there are other heroes out there who demonstrated day in and day out. But if you're going to teach American history, American history is not American Marxism. American history isn't the 1619 Project. This clown should know that. With all these Pulitzer Prize winning 
historians who are not all right-wingers, you know, coming together and condemning the 1619 Project and critical race theory as the crackpot ideology that it is. That's not American history. And the reason they hate DeSantis America, because he's the one guy pushing back. He's the one guy reaching into public school, government school classrooms to make sure this ideology doesn't take hold. He's the one reaching into subsidized entities to make sure they're not pushing the Democrat Party Marxist agenda. That's not free speech. That's not a competition of ideas. That's the iron fist. That's totalitarianism. Subsidizing your own demise. Creating generations of people who hate themselves and hate their own party. I mean, our country. Our history. Why don't they talk about the history of Joe Biden as a racist segregationist? Why didn't he do a film on the Democrat Party? The Democrat Party, the vessel through which slavery was promoted and supported and defended. The Democrat Party, the vessel through which segregation and the Klan was promoted and supported. The Democrat Party, the great FDR, who shipped off 120,000 Japanese Americans to internment camps in the center of America and took their homes and their businesses away. Why don't they do that documentary on the Democrat Party, which filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 1965 Voting Rights Act? And many of those filibustering, those racist segregationists, were mentors to Joe Biden. Why don't they do that history? Why don't they do the documentary? I'd love to see it. But they won't. Why is that? Why is that Ken Burns? Go ahead. They're narrowing the focus of what is and isn't American history. It's terrifying. It feels like a Soviet system or you know the way the nazis would build a potemkin village tucker carlson's doing the same okay, thing with the okay f- hold on hold, hold on potemkin village obviously the guy's a listener even though he must hate me the potemkin village was built by the soviets you dumb bastard i just want you to wake up to that fact The Nazis weren't interested in proving anything to the outside world. They made their intentions clear, including to Franklin Roosevelt, including to the New York Times, including to the Washington Post and the American media that helped cover it up. European papers didn't. American media did. The Potemkin Village, Mr. Historian Documentarian, is that of the hard left, the Marxists, the Russians, the East Germans, the Poles under communism, the Potemkin village. They wanted to show you how fantastic communism was. So they built these, these fronts, these town fronts. That's all they were. 
And that's where they would take people to show them. You know, much like Biden did when he went to the southern border, the Potemkin village I keep talking about. How they cleaned up the streets and everything. So Biden, oh, look, my policies are really fantastic. The Democrat Party is a Potemkin village. The media are a Potemkin village. They're all frauds and phonies. Academics. 90, 95% Democrats. 90, 95% Marxists. Another Potemkin village of academia. You schmo. Go ahead. ...from uh, 1-6. It's just uh, a, a kind of rewriting of history at the most dangerous level. It's, it's, it's a huge threat to our republic. I'm doing, Don, a film right now, working on a major series on the history of the American Revolution, and I can tell you that Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine and George Washington and John Adams and James Madison and Alexander Hamilton are... Ah, rolling. shut up, you idiot. So he is, uh, he's doing... A historic film on the American Revolution? Oh, that'll be fantastic. I thought we're supposed to hate Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and James Madison. I thought we're supposed to hate them. They were all slave owners, and anything they did, even creating the most free and prosperous society on the face of the earth, is to be diminished and degraded. I thought that was the truth. That was the case. He won't do a documentary on W.E.B. Du Bois or Du Bois. Why not? Why not? He's cited all the time. He's cited during Black History Month mostly by white people. He's cited by members of Congress on the floor of the House and the Senate. Why won't they mention him? He was a Marxist who broke from the NAACP eventually near the end of his life. He was a big fan of Stalin's. And later he became buddies with Mao late in his life. And he's one of the great leaders, you see, that we're all supposed to look up to. According to CRT, and I don't have a problem with complete history. I have a problem with ideology dressed up as history. And this moron doesn't know the difference. He's doing a film now on Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and John Adams and Madison and Hamilton. And they'd be rolling in their graves. Graves, Why? Because they believe in critical race theory? Because they believe in sexualizing five-year-olds? Because they believe in the destruction of private property rights and the Constitution and the Declaration? All of their babies? Is that why? You idiot. You are a true idiot. Mark Levin. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. I want to have a talk with you about Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. 
Social Security and Medicare have trustees. They've had trustees for decades. Trustees. What is a trustee? Well, many of you have wills and you have uh, ancillary documents. You set up trusts to do what? To protect your beneficiaries, to protect your assets, to make sure what you want gets done when you die. Sometimes you have living trusts to make sure what gets done, what you want to get done while you're living. And it's very careful that you appoint the right trustees. You have trustees, trustees at colleges and universities. You have trustees who overlook all kinds of financial situations. And the goal is to have people who are objective and who will make sure that things are done by the book. That's why you do it. Otherwise, why do it at all? Social Security has trustees. Medicare has trustees. As I said, they have for, really, since they started. One started in the 30s, Social Security, and Medicare started in the 60s. Now, these trustees issue annual reports, and if necessary, more frequent reports. And they issue them first to the two leaders in the Senate, the Speaker, the Majority Leader, and the Minority Leader in the House, and others in Congress. And they also release it to the President and the Vice President, and again, and others. And it also becomes public. Now, why do they do this? Why do they do it? Why do we have trustees for Social Security and Medicare? So you can know what's taking place if you care enough to check. But most importantly, so the people who are responsible for these various programs can ensure that they remain in the black, that they're functional, that they are in fact insurance programs at work. And yet the very politicians who have the responsibility to take heed when the trustees warn about the financial situation involving Social Security and Medicare are the same politicians who've all but destroyed those trust funds. It's Democrat and Republican alike, but as usual, mostly Democrat. They just see the money that pours into these trust funds as fungible. And so what have they done? They've stolen all the money that you pay in payroll taxes, and those of you who have paid in payroll taxes, and they give it to other people. Illegal aliens, redistribute wealth, God knows what. Whatever they want. And even that's not enough. So they keep printing and printing and printing, and we have inflation. That's how bad it is. That's how bad these people are. It's worse than a Ponzi scheme. And yet they are applauded and they are celebrated when they say they are protecting Social Security while at the same time expanding it to include other people and other benefits and same with Medicare. That is, the more left-wing these people are, the more they destroy these programs. You see what they've done already to your pensions and to your savings with inflation. These are the same people who ultimately are in charge of Social Security and Medicare. Now, what do we know about these programs, according to the trustees? Well, the Congressional Budget Office, which is supposed to be an independent arm of Congress, 
they've taken a look at this and they've taken a look at the numbers themselves. And they say the combined spending on Social Security and Medicare will almost double by 2033 in 10 years. Will double. When required funding for the two programs will approach $4 trillion, representing more than 10% of the country's total economic output. And I want you to put on top of that the massive debt that has been created, $31.5 trillion. And then I want you to add the $1.6 trillion in student loans that you and I are supposed to pay. And this doesn't even involve discretionary spending. Anything that's not a so-called entitlement is considered discretionary spending. One of those that are considered discretionary is the defense budget. And all the welfare programs. Another consequence, said Congressional Budget Office Director Phil Swaggle, is that Social Security now faces a funding shortfall in 2032. Two years sooner than the previous projection. 2032. That's nine years from now. Nine years. Medicare is projected to experience a funding shortfall in 2028. That's five years from now. And Social Security, 2032. Nine years from now. And what are they going to do about it? Nothing. Because... Joe Biden has already politicized this. When Rick Scott dared to raise questions about it, he was attacked by McConnell. By McConnell. So Social Security spending will almost double from $1.2 trillion in fiscal 2022-23 to almost $2.4 trillion in 2033. As a percentage of gross domestic product, it will grow from 4.8% to 6% over that span. The jump begins immediately with a $123 billion increase in fiscal 2023, a 10% spike in one year alone, largely due to the large 8.7% cost of living increase for Social Security benefits that took effect last month. So the Democrats created this massive inflation, And now it's massively increased spending on Social Security, which has reduced the viability of the program by two years. Medicare spending will more than double over the same span, from $710 billion in the last fiscal year to more than $1.6 trillion in 10 years, when it will represent 4.1% of the GDP. Defense spending right now, to remind you, is two point five seven percent of the GDP. Spending on other mandatory health care programs, including Medicaid, the Children's Health Insurance Program, and Obamacare subsidies will also rise significantly from seven hundred and ninety five billion in twenty twenty two to one trillion in twenty thirty three. All told, the CBO found the federal debt currently at $31.4 trillion, is on pace to balloon to roughly $50 trillion a decade from now, 10 years from now. As annual deficits are projected to rise from $1.4 trillion this fiscal year to $2.9 trillion in 2033. 
Now Congress needs to act. But the Democrats have an idea. More taxes. Any family that earns over $400,000 a year needs to see their Medicare taxes significantly increased. That's how they plan to fix it. But that won't fix it. Now, why won't it fix it, America? Because the money doesn't go into the trust fund. It goes into the general operating fund. I said it was worse than a Ponzi scheme, and that's exactly what it is. So they knew last year this was the case with Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and the rest. They knew it. But they spent like drunken Marxists anyway. They did it in November with the omnibus bill. And they did it with Mitch McConnell's help and the help of 18 other Republicans in the Senate. They did it before the Republican majority could be sworn in in the House. Now everything seems to be resting on the shoulders of the very thin Republican majority in the House. And with all due respect, they can do certain things, but they can't do everything. And a gun has been put to their heads because Biden says he's not cutting any spending in anything. In fact, he's massively increasing spending in his next budget proposal. The Republicans in the Senate already sold out to Schumer and Biden. They got nothing in return. They didn't even secure the border. And so it's going to be very difficult for the thinnest of majorities in the House, the Republicans, to hold the line. Not because of the conservatives, not because of the speaker, but because, you know, there's some rhinos among them. The Republicans have not proposed cutting Social Security and Medicare. There have been proposals on the table since I was a kid to increase the age for Social Security recipients and Medicare recipients, which wouldn't harm anybody today who's on it, and wouldn't harm anybody who's on it in 10 years, because they grandfather those folks in. That could be many of you. So if you're 55 and older, you're grandfathered in. But if it's not done, these programs will collapse. And it'll take a big chunk of the economy with it, and millions of people for sure with it. But Biden won't do it. And the Democrats are attacking any effort. They just say, raise taxes, that'll fix it. Folks, we can extract every damn nickel you have. And we can't keep up with this debt. We just cannot. It's not possible. We create, give or take, $19 trillion in economic value every year. Some people think it's less, 18.4. We're talking about an on-budget debt of $31.4 trillion. Add in $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. And when you add in Social Security and Medicare debt, that is, these promised payments to people who are now and have paid into these systems, you're adding another $200 trillion. So they're talking about taxing people over $400,000. This isn't even going to be a drop of a drop of a drop in a lake 
to use their favorite word, this is a systemic issue now. And they know it. But the Democrats will not even allow it to be discussed. And they're going to go right back with their Marxist pablum about tax the rich. Because they know they can win elections saying that. That works. When you're for the people, and I say this sarcastically, and you're Marxist in your ideology, you pretend to be moderate, and you're pretending to save the very people who you're destroying. Save the very programs that you have destroyed and continue to destroy. They stole almost a trillion dollars out of Medicare for Obamacare, folks. They took another $300 billion out of Medicare for this omnibus bill, folks. That's what they do. Because they don't believe that there's any need for budget discipline. Charles Payne talks about modern monetary policy. This has been talked about a lot. And it's simply this. A Ponzi scheme. That is, that a government can print as much money as it wants, create as big a debt as it wants. So what? It just owes itself. And by owing itself, it doesn't have to pay it back. Now, of course, you have to be a lunatic. You have to be certifiably insane to think that. Because the laws of economics know no boundaries. They don't care about federal government, state government, printing presses, digital, doesn't matter. If you create too much money, it becomes worthless. Some of you are too young, but some of us aren't. If you don't know this, I want you to go online, use your preferred search engine, and look up the Weimar Republic in Germany, and ask about the economic conditions. Ask about inflation. Or more modern times, talk to somebody who fled Venezuela and is now in the United States. Ask them if people can eat, if there's any form of sustenance in a country that destroys its currency. Ask. We have real live people. Barely live, but they they manage to live. They'll give you the answer. And that is where the Democrat Party is taking us. And people like Mitch McConnell and other repubics. This is where they're taking us. Now, when it comes to Medicare, five years isn't that long away, is it? And then we have states like California that are, that are going bankrupt. Now, there's a dispute over whether a state can actually go bankrupt. I believe they can. We've seen cities go bankrupt, like New York City that had to get bailed out. And that's what Gavin Newsom figures in California. There's a Democrat in office and a Democrat Congress. No matter what they do, the feds will bail them out. Look at all the money that was sent to these states during COVID that they blew, that they wasted, one-time money. Huge amounts. Got them out of their debt. Now most of them are back in debt. And the reason is the private sector works on supply and demand. The government works on demand and demand only. Because that's what gets you the votes. Mark 
Vin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. You want to know why we're not going after the cartels in Mexico, America? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Democrats are so invested in not investing in the United States military and the proper use, I repeat, the proper use of law enforcement, that they're not sure that we can successfully go after the cartels in Mexico, plus do what we're doing to prepare, at least somewhat, for China, Iran, support Ukraine. And if we don't muscle up our military and muscle it up quickly, well, I fear what's going to happen to your children and grandchildren, quite frankly. But there's news that broke less than an hour ago. Not one of these breaking news things that, that are used to get ratings. There's actual news. And it is from foxnews.com, Kelly Laco. Nine boxes of Biden documents were taken from the Boston office. What's that mean? The archives has not previously publicly disclosed the number of boxes taken from Boston. Nine boxes of documents were taken from Biden's attorney, Patrick Moore's Boston office, but have yet to be reviewed, the National Archives disclosed in a response letter to Senators Ron Johnson, thank God that man got reelected, and Chuck Grassley this week, first obtained by Fox News Digital. The archives had not previously publicly disclosed the number of boxes taken from Boston, it had been reported that Moore had shipped boxes of documents from the Penn Biden Center to his Boston office before discovering the initial trove of classified documents at the Washington, D.C.-based think tank. You got that? Before. Before discovering the initial trove of classified documents, these nine boxes had been sent to Biden's lawyer in Boston. In response to questions by Johnson and Grassley in a February 24 letter, asking how and when the archives learned that records were transported to Boston. Acting archivist of the United States, Deborah Steidal Wall, responded the agency learned about it on November 3, 2022. Now, this is a big deal. Now, why is this a big deal? Donald Trump didn't move boxes all over the place. Maybe there was a document here or there, something like that. But... Joe Biden had no right at all to have any of these documents as vice president of the United States. He's not the leader of the executive branch. But nine boxes were moved to Boston. What kind of security did they have in the in the law firm's office? Why were they moved to Boston? You'll notice you're not hearing any questions from Maggot Haberman. Jeremy and his Peters. Philip and his bump, you're not hearing anything from these really great journalists that we have in America or these these big-time corporate newspapers. Why is that? This raises a zillion questions. When the National Archives and Records Administration contacted Biden's personal counsel November 3, 2022, 
to arrange to pick up boxes from the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C., they informed NARA that Mr. Moore had moved other boxes from the Penn Biden Center to Mr. Moore's law firm in Boston, the letter states. In addition, the archives notified the Department of Justice's Office of Inspector General on November 4th that the documents had been moved. The documents were then picked up on November 9 and were secured in the JFK Presidential Library in Boston. Why? The National Archives staff retrieved nine boxes from Mr. Moore's Boston office, which had not been previously known. Despite having possession of the documents since November, the archives has not yet reviewed the box's content to determine whether additional classified materials are inside. NARA has not reviewed the contents of the boxes found at Mr. Moore's Boston office. Well, which was it? At the JFK Library or Mr. Moore's Boston office? Where were they? Fox News previously reported that FBI agents searched the Penn Biden Center offices in mid-November after Biden's personal attorneys discovered a handful of documents with classified markings that, on November 2nd. The Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Oh, yeah, right. In other words, how they wash through communist money to the Bidens. There's a think tank in Washington. Biden used the sixth-floor office space there between 2017 and 2019, during which time he was an honorary professor and received about $900,000 for giving roughly a dozen lectures and talks. You believe that, Mr. Producer? $900,000. Obviously, it was a payoff. A dozen lectures and talks. Is this a joke? Additional classified documents were found by Biden's attorneys in his Wilmington, Delaware house, next to his garage, and in his garage. Six items with classification markings were seized after the DOJ searched his home. So why weren't the prosecutors as excited about going after Biden as they were going after Trump? I think it's fairly obvious. You have boxes of documents that were removed. Now, Forget about classification. Let's put that aside, at least for now. We have the Presidential Records Act. Now, what's the Presidential Records Act? Well, the Presidential Records Act means any document belongs to the government. Right? Any government belongs to the Any document belongs to the government. So to move nine boxes to your attorney... And then put it in the JFK library, even though the recitation here is somewhat uh, inconsistent and illogical. This is rather remarkable. And keep in mind, they didn't use the FBI to search various locations until well into January. January. Once the information came out. Nor was there any effort to appoint a special counsel, even though this occurred before Attorney General Meritless Garland appointed a special counsel in the case of Donald Trump. Now, this is really shocking to me. And it's very important that it's finally come out. It looks like the National Archives sat on it. If it wasn't for Senators Johnson and Grassley, who have been dogged about this, 
We wouldn't even know about it. What's Mitch McConnell going to do about this? What's John Cornyn going to do about this? What's John Thune going to do about this? Just wring their hands? They should be on the floor of the Senate jumping up and down. You had nine boxes removed by Biden's lawyer to Biden's office. Let's, let's go with that one. Why? And this is before the classified documents were found. I'll tell you why. Because they saw what was happening to Trump. And the lawyer wanted to look at these nine boxes for a reason that we don't know yet. What's in those nine boxes? What's in the thousands of documents, the millions of documents, the thousands of boxes of documents at the University of Delaware? What is it? They're so laxed about this, are they not? We don't even hear from the special counsel. There's leaks left and right from the from Jack the Ripper Smith, the phony special counsel in the Trump case, the rogue prosecutor. We don't hear anything about the Biden investigation, do we? The reason why all this happened, it took time and all, is because Meritless Garland was covering up for Biden. But this is the headline, nine boxes of Biden documents were taken from the Boston office by the archives, not previously publicly disclosed the number of boxes taken from Boston. We have this clown who is the spokes idiot for the idiot president who just lies to us all the time by playing rope-a-dope. White House counsel has some answering to do. They misled the media. Do the media even care anymore? Surely Meritless Garland knew about these nine boxes. He's never said a word at any of his press conferences about any of it. It's like pulling teeth to get information about the Biden stuff from this government. Pretty remarkable, don't you think? So the nine boxes were taken from Biden's attorney, Patrick Moore's office. They've yet to be reviewed. The National Archives just disclosed this in a letter to Senators Johnson and Grassley. The Archives did not previously disclose the number of boxes taken from Boston. Uh, And uh, the media won't care, except for Fox, which is why they're trying to destroy it, of course. This isn't reported by the Constipated News Network or MSLSD, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, and the rest of the riffraff? No. No. So we have documents in multiple locations. We have documents that were shipped by Biden's lawyer to Biden's lawyer's office. And they keep saying we can't comment on anything because it's under investigation. That's funny. Donald Trump comments about everything. But Joe Biden can't comment about anything. If you notice, when it involves him, his brother, his son, uh, his corrupt business activities, a guy who was paid $900,000. You know, that should be looked into. That's relevant. The guy's paid $900,000 for 12 speeches slash, slash talks over the course of two years. 
And I don't know if that's $9,000 a year. I think it is. I think that's what his so-called salary was, is the honorary whatever he was. And tens of millions of dollars were poured into this institution by the communist Chinese to fund it. Tens of millions of dollars are poured into the the Penn-Biden Center in Washington, D.C. Once Biden is attached to this operation. He receives at least 900000 probably twice, for 12 speeches or talks. 12. That's a lot, Mr. Producer. That's like $75,000 a speech or something, isn't it? And he probably just sat there, like he always does, and didn't have much to say. It didn't matter. And that was only one of the ways he made money. People were throwing money at this guy. Now he's come out and he says, well, maybe I should touch on this now. This is also in the uh, Washington Examiner by Zachary Halschak. Biden faces impossible budget math even with big tax hikes. And what he's basically saying here is what I discussed with you last night. These big tax hikes aren't going to fix a damn thing. Not a damn thing. The mismatch between spending and revenues. And uh, he's not even looking to balance the budget. Even though he talks about balancing the budget in 10 years, it'll never happen. But they talk about Medicare. He wants to make sure we increase payroll taxes for those earning more than $400,000 to fund Medicare benefits. And it would raise the Medicare tax rate for taxpayers earning an annual income of more than 400000 from 3.8% to 5%. Well, why wouldn't everyone just do what Joe Biden did? With his two S corporations. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen? He and Dr. Biden set up two S corporations. During the time he was in the private sector for about 14 minutes. In order to avoid paying Medicare taxes and Obamacare taxes. To avoid paying that 3.8% that he now wants to raise to 5%. He wants to avoid, he he acted to avoid that over a half a million dollars, perhaps up to $900,000 over a two-year period. How come they don't talk about this in any of the articles? Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Hey, Mr. Producer, I don't mean to catch you by surprise but if we wanted to conduct some kind of a petition think about how ways we could do that here on the air and then how it would uh, be done via the internet in other words is there a way to keep a list because I have something in mind and once we figure this out America I will tell you about it hopefully tomorrow we'll have something figured out not to put you on the spot I wanted to leave with this tonight. Gulf Cartel apologizes for kidnapping, killing U.S. citizens, surrenders five gunmen. We don't know if they're the five gunmen or not, but 
This is where we are. The Matamoros faction of the Gulf Cartel tied up five of their own gunmen Thursday and left them alive. They're a poster board as an apology for kidnapping and killing U.S. citizens over the past weekend. Authorities located the five gunmen during pre-dawn hours next to a black pickup in Matamoros. In a handwritten poster, the scorpion cell of the Gulf Cartel apologized, claiming the gunmen were not acting on orders or with approval from leadership. The Gulf Cartel also apologized for the killing of an innocent bystander during the violent abduction. The move comes after days of immense political and police pressure after four U.S. citizens from South Carolina went missing last week. The gunmen were able to chase the victims in their vehicle, shoot at and kidnap them without any interference from police or military forces. The media and political pressure after the kidnapping of Lativa Te McKee Shahid Woodward, Zindel Brown, and Eric James Williams caused a large military and police response. But it caused more than that. I went on air, and as you know, I said that we need to uh, send our military, and by that I meant our jet fighters over there, and take care of business. We know where their headquarters are. We know where their main plants are. We know the whole thing. You have members of Congress who are starting to say the same thing. Starting to say the same thing. Violent, vicious torturers and killers only know one thing. Fear. And if all their businesses are on the line and all their families are on the line and everything is on the line, including their lives, then they have something to fear. Do I believe this is true, what took place here? Yes. I don't know if these are the five gunmen or not. But there's no reason to believe that they're not. And it really is remarkable. It's remarkable because on our side of the border, not the president, not the secretary of defense, not the head of the FBI, not the attorney general, But the people, you, me, we're fed up. It's our citizens who are being slaughtered by fentanyl and other drugs. It's our citizens who are being slaughtered, several of them, as they go over to Mexico, kidnapped. We the people. And we've had enough of it, and these politicians are incapable of doing anything about it. We pay them our taxes. They keep pushing us around, what we can do with our land whether we can keep our land, whether we can keep our car, just it's endless, pushing us around, bullying us, pulling us, it's endless. Brainwashing our children, threatening people who disagree with them. It's just just too much. And then they they don't protect us in the streets, they don't protect us from drug cartels, period. But there's a lot that's taken place today, and all of it affects you, so I want to get into this. Joe Biden is proposing $4.7 trillion in new taxes. $4.7 trillion in new taxes. And so they just keep spending, they just keep creating debt, and they just keep taxing us. Now, they'll talk about we only tax the rich. I want to ask you folks, anybody out there earn under 400000 Of course, the vast majority of you. 
Have you seen your costs go up? Yes, of course. And so this inflation stuff is a tax on you, and that's intentional. Because he wants to be able to go around, Biden does, to say, I haven't raised taxes on you, and yet he has. For so many people, they have to choose between groceries and gasoline and on and on and on. And he proposes the most outrageous, irresponsible budget in human history. And we all know the federal government treats our money so well. All that COVID money is still around, hundreds of billions of dollars. And now they're handing it to left-wing groups and all the rest of it. And all the rest of it. All of these special interests that support the Democrat Party, whether they're billionaires or teacher union uh, leaders, those thugs and so forth, they all benefit. They're all taken care of. This entire budget is once again a budget for Democrats to support Democrats and the Democrat base. Massive redistribution of wealth. It's all Marxist crap. That's what it is. Marxist crap. I want to give you the list of tax increases that he's proposing. That is Biden. And I want to make it abundantly clear. Any tax increase has an effect on private sector growth and prosperity. Has an effect on your jobs and your income. Haven't they done enough damage? Haven't they spent enough money? Haven't they created enough debt and hardship? So we go to our friends at Americans for Tax Reform. There is no better. Biden's fiscal year 2024 budget proposal contains nearly $4.7 trillion in new tax hikes on American individuals and businesses. Biden's proposed tax hikes come just months after Democrats passed more than $700 billion in tax increases in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. So in a year's time, they will have increased taxes by $5.4 trillion. And it won't even come close to digging us out of the debt cycle that these fools have pushed us into. Biden's budget proposal is a direct violation of his campaign pledge to not raise taxes on small businesses. Here's a list of tax hikes included in Biden's proposal. Highest personal income tax rate since 1986. 1986. Biden's budget calls for a top combined federal tax rate of about 45%. 45%. 45 cents out of every dollar. Highest capital gains tax since 1978. 1978, almost half a century ago. A rate over twice as high as China's capital gains tax. You want to know why China succeeds? That's a communist regime. It is a communist regime that will have a lower capital gains tax than the United States of America. Got it? Biden's plan nearly doubles, doubles the capital gains tax rate for investment to 39.6%, effectively 40%, from 20%. The U.S. currently has a combined capital tax rate of 29%. And that includes the 3.8% Obamacare tax and the 5.4% state average capital gains rate. Under Biden, this rate would approach 50%. This would give the United States 
a capital gains tax that is significantly higher than virtually all foreign competitors. Blue states, such as California, would see capital gains rates above 60%. Now, you might say, what does that have to do with me? Really? You have money in mutual funds? That has to do with you. That has to do with you. Your pensions, right? Your home, right? Corporate tax rate higher than communist China. A 31% increase from 21% to 28%. So the, just be clear, the capital gains rate will be twice as high as communist China's. The corporate tax rate will be higher than communist China's. Biden raises the current 21% federal corporate income tax rate to 28%, higher than communist China's 25%. And note that industry uh, sectors of strategic use to China, they pay an even lower rate of 15% or even 10%. That's that's how you... You know what? I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this. The genocidal maniacs who run China understand tax policy better than the the American Marxist maniacs that run our country. After adding state corporate income taxes, the combined federal-state run rate under Biden amounts to 32% corporate rate. One-third of every dollar. American workers will bear the brunt of Biden's corporate tax increase. The nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation affirmed in congressional testimony corporate tax rate heights would hit Quote, labor and laborers, unquote. He's going to do this in the middle of, a, of inflation that's moving into a recession? I'm telling you we have stagflation. I've been saying this all along. Nobody wants to use that phrase, but that's where we are. This tax increase will be passed along to families in the form of higher prices of goods and services. For instance... A 2020 study by the National Bureau of Economic Research found 31% of the corporate tax falls on consumers. And a corporate tax increase will harm workers in the form of lower wages and fewer jobs. So there's only so many variables. You've got to raise prices. Uh, You've got to take it out of the workers. Either the number of workers or what you're paying them or both. See, but if you've worked in the federal government your entire life, and the two years you didn't, you're getting, you're getting money from the communist Chinese, you don't know this, or you don't care. Or if you're uh, part of the uh, teachers' union and public sector unions of that sort, you don't care, because none of this matters to you. Then this is the one that really gets me. An unconstitutional wealth tax on unrealized gains. I want you to think about this. Biden's budget calls for an annual, every year, 20% minimum tax on the unrealized gains of individuals with income and assets exceeding $100 million. Then your eyes glaze everything. That has nothing to do with me. I don't care. It has everything to do with you. We need people to invest in the private sector, to invest in technologies, to invest in oil drilling. $100 million for capital investments, it's a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket. We're not talking about what's in your savings account here. 
This is a $360 billion annual tax increase. Now this wealth, as we say, it's not realized. So nothing's been sold. Nothing's been sold. It's the latest attempt by the Democrats to reshape the tax code and pass a tax on unrealized gains. Imagine in your own life being taxed every year by the federal government on, your, on the value of your home. 20%. Just sits there, you haven't sold it. Well, that's what they're talking about. The new tax is similar to the wealth taxes pushed by radical leftists such as Senator Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Capital gains taxes should only be paid when an asset is sold. Biden's proposal would break with current tax policy and tax Americans based on the value of an asset on a particular arbitrary date. So you'd be reporting to the IRS. What is your wealth? Wait a minute, that's not... What is your wealth? Where do you get it from? Well, I I don't have any income. It doesn't matter. We're taxing your wealth. Every year. But don't worry, it's $100 million or more. And by the way, it starts at $100 million, then it goes to $10 million, then it goes to $1 million, then it goes to you. Because the government's out of money. And they're desperate. And they're coming for you. It would empower the IRS, encourage taxpayers to move assets overseas. could grow to hit millions of Americans over time. You better believe it will would also harm the economy, impose retroactive taxation, because that's exactly what it'll do. 